Go Your Own Way is brought to you by Overmental.com, the media culture hive mind. Enjoy the adventure. Welcome, listeners, to Go Your Own Way, the podcast where sometimes we read from books and other times we read from the internet. But both times we're going our own way. You could tell that these intros are written in advance. <laughs> uh, you know who we are by now, listeners. If you don't, then, well, screw you. But we do have Ryan on our podcast this week. Hi. And he's going to read the story that we're doing. So this was a book I dug up at a yard sale like a decade ago. It's called Revenge of the Rainbow Dragons by <laughs> Rose Estes, oh published in 1983. So, you know, that was an era when they had their shit together. Absolutely. It's, it's a bit earlier than the other books we've done, because those, are, I think, were like 89 around then. 88, maybe. Yeah, I mean, prime so, vintage is like 83 to 84, you know? You gotta let them age properly. Yeah. Shall we jump into it? I would like to join, jump into Rainbow Dragons. Revenge of the Rainbow Dragons. Foxes aren't supposed to fly, Jamie. Fox says nervously as he hovers in midair. How about putting me down? Leave the flying to Featherface. I feel better on old extra terra firma. Hush, fox friend, scolds Pentagon. Consider yourself part of an important lesson. This is the first time Jamie has levitated an object, and you know he needs silence to concentrate. Now I'm an object, mutters Fox in disgust as he dangles above the ground. You ache with the effort of holding the spell. Just as you feel you are mastering the skill, a thunderous noise rolls through the room. Your concentration breaks, and Fox falls to the floor with a thump. Oh, Fox, I'm sorry, you cry, rushing to his side. I'll be more careful next time. Next time, growls Fox. Forget it. I have to go dig a den, a very long one. He turns and trots quickly from the room. Unfortunate attitude, says Owl. (laughs) Well done, child, says Pentagon. You're moving ahead nicely with your studies. I hadn't planned on you being able to lift objects for another six months. But now that we've been interrupted, I suppose we'd better see who's at the door. And he makes a small gesture with his hand. Poof! A cloud of dust appears, then clears. Before you stands a travel-stained man, one hand raised as if knocking on a door. Lowering his hand, the traveler snaps. Do you always answer doors like that? But then what else should I expect? From a wizard! Giving a short bow, he says, Sir, I come from Rainbow Castle. Your presence is required, no later than four days hence. Is it a party? You ask hopefully. (laughs) The messenger fixes you with an icy glance. Hardly. You will answer the charges of occupying the Castle of the Pillars and calling yourselves wizards. This castle is part of the domain assigned to the wizards Malice, Pothos, and Rubus. Unless you can support your claim to the castle and win their permission to practice wizardry, you will be banished from the land, says the messenger coldly. And now, if you will show me the door, I will return to Rainbow Castle. Poof! A cloud of smoke forms in front of the messenger, and when it clears, a large wooden door stands before him. A mere first-level spell, sneers the messenger. You'll have to do better than that at Rainbow Castle. Still sneering, he turns and strides out of the room. 
Rainbow Castle? Wizards? <laughs> What's this all about, sir? You ask worriedly. Centuries ago, when I lost my kingdom to the evil one, Rainbow Castle was in the hands of the forces of good, sighs Pentagon, and the three brothers, Malice, Pothos, and Rubos, were apprenticed to some third-rate wizard. Obviously, while I was in the evil one's power, the balance changed. I think we had better meet with them. It is always best to be polite to one's neighbors. I think I'll sit this one out, says Fox, poking his head through the door. That fellow didn't look too pleasant, and he's only the messenger. Pshaw, says Owl, don't be such a coward. Go feather a nest, speak brain, growls Fox. We will let Jamie decide. As my apprentice and the heir to this kingdom, Jamie must learn good, sound decisions, says Pentagon. And suddenly there are three pairs of eyes staring at you. Well, you stammer. The way I see it, we have only two choices. We can either go to Rainbow Castle and see if we can work out our problems with our neighbors, or we can ignore them and don't go. This is the kind of choice I expect from the internet stories, where it's like, continue the story or do nothing. (laughs) Or go home. Be a family man. Right? I feel like if we just hang out here... We're going to get attacked and lose, and we're not going to be able to gather any information about what we might need to do to be victorious. Plus, if there's a place called Rainbow Castle and you have a choice to go there, why would you not do that? Also a fair point. All right, let's go to Rainbow Castle. It is snowing as you and your friends set off for Rainbow Castle. It seems as though our opponents are able to sway the seasons, observes Owl, as trees, rocks, and hills disappear in the whiteness. Yeah, and this snow is no fun either, says Fox. You could have stayed at home, Fox. You didn't have to come. Oh no, if something horrible happens, I'd rather know about it right away. And besides, you guys need me. Swallowing your laughter, you turn to Pentagon. Sir, why don't you do something about this snow? Why don't you perform some magic and change it back to summer? Think, Jamie, if our foes are putting all their effort into creating winter just to annoy us, they can't send anything really dangerous, and they will believe that they have us in their power. You wipe your cold, dripping nose and try to appreciate Pentagon's plan, but the snow melts inside your boots, slithers down your neck, and freezes on your eyelashes. Even Pentagon is sniffling by the time Rainbow Castle comes into view several days later. I guess we montage that bit. All right. (laughs) Why do they call it Rainbow Castle, you ask, staring at the cascades of dirty gray ice that drape over the black towers? A cold, bitter wind wails around the grim walls and tears at your clothes. In my youth, it was a beautiful place, Pentagon answers sadly. It looks like it's all closed for the winter. How about we go home and wait for spring, whines Fox. Ah, spring, good idea, says Pentagon. Rainbow Castle is beautiful in the spring. And with a snap of his fingers, snow and ice begins to melt. Inch by inch, foot by foot, winter retreats, and in its place, warm, soft, and green spring comes to the land. That's much better, and now they know we're here, says Pentagon. Ah, sweet spring, full of sweet days and roses, sighs Owl, spreading his great wings to the sun. Why can't you speak plain English, mouse breath, snarls Fox. 
I was just noting the welcome arrival of this magic spring, oh illiterate one. What did you call me? Barks Fox. Fox, ow! Stop this bickering now, or I'll send you both home, you say firmly. Ah, and here are our hosts, says Pentagon. Three men stand at the very end of the bridge. One is tall and thin. One is very, very fat. And the third is as tiny as a small child. See her, Pentagon. What is the meaning of this, demands the tall wizard. An outrage, I say. This warm winter will not be tolerated. We prefer winter. And with a wave of his hand and a loud clap of thunder, spring vanishes and winter descends in a flurry of flakes. Tick, tick, clucks Pentagon. I was enjoying the spring myself. And with a gesture and a sheet of lightning, winter is again replaced by spring. The three wizards grind their teeth in rage, their faces purple with fury. Now the tall wizard steps forward and begins to make magical gestures. Pentagon replies with movements of his own. Sparks fly and sheets of flame erupt from the wizards, and winter and spring flicker in and out. The two wizards stand firm as the air crackles from white to blue, warm to cold. At last, Pentagon laughs a great booming laugh and slaps his knee. Well done, Malice, but come, let's not confuse the birds anymore. Let it remain spring. Now that you've gotten us here, why don't you tell us what this is all about? Still laughing, he walks over and puts his arm around the unsmiling wizard's shoulders and begins to walk towards the castle. As you follow Pentagon into the castle, the high walls seem to swallow you up. Your footsteps echo hollowly as you enter a large room with three throne-like chairs set upon a raised platform. The wizards bump and push as they climb onto the platform, each trying to claim the center chair. There are no other seats and you look down in discomfort as the wizards stare at you with their small, nasty smiles. Pentagon says, Well, I see we need a few more chairs, and with a snap, two big deep chairs of gold and studded with precious gems covered with soft deep purple velvet appear behind you. Fox settles himself into a velvet-covered basket, and Owl clings to a golden birch bird perch. Ah, that's better, says Pentagon, sinking into his chair. Crossing his legs and folding his hands, he says, Now then, gentlemen, what can we do for you? The wizards twitch nervously, pulling their scraggly beards and whisper. They seem to be urging each other to do something. Finally, Tiny Rubus is levitated from his chair by one of his brothers. Stumbling to his feet, he draws himself to his full puny height, puffs up his chest, and says, Pentagon, you have brought here to answer charges of practicing wizardry without a license. This area belongs to us. When you left, we applied the Grand Council, and they granted us control. How nice for you all, draws Pentagon. I won't bother to ask why you never helped me in all the years I fought to rid the country of the evil one. But I might ask why you never chased away the evil one when he was certainly practicing a most unpleasant form of magic. Ah, um, well, we just hadn't gotten around to it, squeaked Pothos from his great bulk. Besides, he ate the first three messengers we sent. But we are not the issue, yells Pothos. You are. You and your illegal apprentice. By order of the Grand Consul, you and your brat and your zoo are under house arrest. You have either two choices. Either leave and never again practice magic, or else meet us in a duel of skills. Allow me to confirm with my apprentice, says Pentagon, drawing you to his side. Well, Jamie, what do you think we should do? These fellows appear very foolish and harmless, but that is not true. They are dangerous. 
and the council has given them the right to practice within this district. They are well within their rights to demand that we either quit or fight them. It is your decision. If you choose to challenge the wizards, we will be turning to page 133. If you choose to go to the Grand Council and argue, we're going to page 91. So basically it boils down to put up or shut up. (laughs) Those are wizard terms. Well, I assume dueling them is what continues the story, right? Or does the other, what is the other choice? You can either challenge the wizards or go to the Grand Council and argue. Mm. So it's, it's basically we got to fight them or go tattle on them. Maybe we should go tattle? That's kind of capturing my interest more. Like, that might let us know what's actually going on. Because, like, I don't know, these guys might be misrepresenting what the council has said. The council might be corrupt in some way and forcing them to do something. Like... Maybe they're not within their district. Yeah. All I can say is you guys are giving way more thought to wizard politics than the author of this book did. <laughs> are we are we going with that then? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Let's leave. I don't like them, and I think they would cheat. They'd find some way of tricking us. I think we should go to the council, tell them what's happened, and ask them to give you back your rights. Gentlemen, says Pentagon, turning back to the wizards, my colleague and I have conferred and decided to withdraw. Under the scornful eyes of the wizards, the four of you leave Rainbow Castle. Long months later, you enter the chambers of the Grand Council. Pentagon, Jamie, Fox, and Owl, I am glad to see you safe. I have followed your adventures with a heavy heart and yearn to help, says the great Grand Wizard, but no one must disturb the balance. It is not allowed. And even though your cause is just, I cannot help. Okay, you say. We've tried this and it didn't work. So let's go back and show those three what magic is all about. Well, so well said, Jamie, says Pentagon. Can I bite one of them, says Fox. Typical responses from one of your your mentality, snipes Owl. Good luck, says the Grand Great Wizard, as you turn back to Rainbow Castle. So, book just said, fuck you, because we're going to page 133. Jesus. So, and it took us a few months to get there? Yeah. Okay, Okay. well, I mean, you're a few months older, a few months of experience under our belts. Maybe, maybe we're a little bit better prepared now. Well, if it takes us a few months to go out and then back again, maybe it's spring now. Oh, fair enough, fair enough. That's the mental image you want to capture. We accept your challenge, gentlemen, says Pentagon. Excellent, hisses Rubus. These are the rules. No magical items. Your staff, ring, and cube must be set aside, and we will remove all of your special aids. Any magic, so long as it is performed by your skills alone, is allowed. Any other rules, asks Pentagon. No, it's very simple, replies Pathos. The four of us go into the Great Hall, and whoever emerges alive wins. The three of you against Pentagon? That's not fair, you exclaim. Fair? Fair? Of course it's fair. Your precious Pentagon studied under the Great Gump. Ah, oh, that must be a typo. No, okay. It says Great Gump. I'm, I'm assuming it's Forrest Gump. This, that would line up with the years. 
We had to settle for the lowly Scrumbog, and we learned things only when we could wake him up or keep him from getting drunk. And you forget that Pentagram's at least 300 years older than we are. He's had all the time to practice and acquire new knowledge. Don't worry, Jamie, says Pentagon. Everything will be fine. Don't be so sure of that, sneers Malice. Well, there's no reason to wait. Let's begin, says Pentagon, striding towards the door. Halt, screeches Rubus. Where do you think you're going? No one goes inside that room except us. The zoo stays outside. Just give me the word, kid, and I'll bite him, snarls Fox. The fellow is correct, Jamie, says Owl. The contest is not ours. We must not intrude. But what shall we do, you exclaim angrily. I can't just sit around and twiddle my thumbs. No, indeed, says Malice. We would like to know that you will not be twiddling or meddling while, you are while we are occupied. What do you suggest, asks Pentagon. We have several suggestions, says Rubus, rubbing his hands together. You can go to Limbo. It's very nice at this time of year, on page 139. You can rest in the tower. The view is quite nice, on page 136. Or you can relax in our game room in the basement, on page 33. So, game room is definitely a euphemism for torture chamber. Fair enough. And, uh, I don't know if I feel like magically getting sent to another dimension. So you want to go to the tower? I, that seems like the safest and most reasonable option to me. Alright, no wizard sex dungeons for us. You'll like the tower. It's pleasant at this time of year, says Malice with a nasty smile. I guess that sounds alright, you say? Obviously not seeing that nasty smile. <laughs> Too late, you see Pentagon's look of dismay. But before you can speak, there is a blinding light, a clap of thunder, and then nothing. Slowly, your eyes open. Lying beside you on the hard floor are Fox and Owl. You sit up quickly and gather their silent forms to your chest. Fox, Owl, speak to me. Someone get that giant, croaks Fox. What giant? A giant who stepped on me, moans Fox. As usual, you exaggerate, says Owl, blinking bleardily. It was no giant, it was magic. We have been tricked by those wizards. You are in a small stone room. In front of you is a tall, narrow window with cold wind and rain blowing in. Looking around, you see a threadbare carpet, a heavy wooden door, and an empty fireplace. Wonderful. This tower is pleasant this time of year. The tower is pleasant this time of year, mimics Fox, shivering inside his thick coat of red fur. What now, kid? Do something before we freeze to death. Perhaps we should do something about the spiders, says Owl. Spiders? What spiders, you ask, looking out wildly in a panic? Owl points upward with his wing and says, Those spiders. Coming down from the ceiling are at least two dozen large, nasty-looking spiders. Do something, screeches Fox. I could eat them, suggests Owl. They won't hurt me. On page 52. I could squash them as they fall, you say, on page 149. Don't touch them, cries Fox. Use a magic spell, on page 67. <laughs> well, before you read the choices, I assumed that it might be an option that Al could eat them. Um, but I don't know if they're poisonous. I mean, my initial reaction was kind of owl as well. 
Seems like he's pretty well suited to deal with spiders, right? Okay, shall we see what Al can do? At the potential expense of Owl's life. Go get him, Owl. <laughs> There's plenty of Owls in the world. I mean, maybe not talking once, but you get my point. <laughs> it has been a while since I dined on spiders, says Owl, launching himself into the air. They make tasty tidbits. At first, it seems that Owl will succeed. He flies rapidly around the small room, snapping up spiders in midair. But for every one he eats, two more drop down. In a little while, he sets down heavily on your shoulder. I don't believe I could even think about eating another bite. What do we do now, kid? There's more of them than there were ever before, says Fox nervously. Turn back to page 138 and make another choice. Damn it. So, we can either squash them as they fall, or use a magic spell. Squashing them seems like it's going to have the same effect. But, I don't know. That may just be me. Yeah, I think you're right. I think squashing them is going to have the same, like, two show up for every one we smoosh. Plus, these are very expensive wizard shoes. It's true. I assume. I suppose I could use my levitation spell. It's still the only one I can count on working, you say. Well, don't just stand there. Do it, whines Fox. Those creepy crawlies are getting awfully close. Closing your eyes, you concentrate as hard as you can and utter the magic words. A long, tense moment passes, and then a cheer goes up from the others. Hooray, you did it, says Fox. My congratulations, says Owl. You look up and see the rug pressed tightly against the ceiling. Small squirmings remind you that if you stop concentrating, down will come the rug, spiders and all. Keeping your eyes on the wriggling rug, you whisper, We'd better decide what we're going to do from here, and quickly. Our choices are obvious, says Owl. We could open the door on page 41. We could climb out the window on page 12. Or see if there is an exit through the fireplace on page 105. Is there currently a fire in the fireplace? It is an empty fireplace. I kind of want to try that. Yeah, that seems like the least likely one to be trapped. <laughs> and or expose us to some sort of horrible ice monster. I don't want to climb down this tower, whines Fox. Neither do I. I don't like Thai places, you say. Let's try the fireplace. Still concentrating on keeping the spiders trapped at the ceiling, you edge backward into the fireplace. It sure is dark in here, you say, groping about. It usually is inside fireplaces, says Fox. Where to now? Down, says Owl. I perceive a staircase to our left. I know not where it leads, but it seems unlikely that we will encounter the wizards here, so let us proceed. Holding Fox in your arms, you start down the dark, narrow stairway. All of a sudden, the stairs disappear beneath your feet, and you begin to slide. Faster and faster you move. Whomp! You crash into Owl who collapses into your lap. Rushing along at a fearful speed, you try to grip the walls and brace yourself against the downward plunge. But you cannot. I seem to have made a mistake, <laughs> screeches Owl. There is a sense of weightlessness, of flying through the air, and then you abruptly crash to a stop. What happened? Where are we, Wales Fox? We are in a narrow corridor, dripping with slime and foul fluids. 
It appears to be the home of numerous tasty rats, answers Owl. Wait, here's a sign tacked on the wall. It says, welcome to the game room. You peer into the blackness surrounding you and groan. Some game room. This is a dungeon. Those wizards tricked us. So they must be planning to trick Pentagon. We have to get out and help him. Easier said than done, says Owl. None of us... Ow, wails Fox, and the noise echoes through the darkness. Be quiet, Fox, you yell, grabbing him and holding his muzzle shut. None of us wants to be here, but until we can figure out exactly where we are, we can't figure out how to get out. And don't forget, there are usually all sorts of dangerous monsters and other creepy things wandering around in these old dungeons. Right now, the most important thing to do is figure out how we're going to get out. Do you pick up any clues with your special senses, you ask the animals? As a matter of fact, I have spied a most peculiar rainbow-colored cord that appears to be attached to the wall, says Owl. It stretches off to our left. Cautiously, you let go of Fox's muzzle, hoping that he will not start howling again, but he only lifts his nose into the air and sniffs. To our right, I smell a strange, fungusy, foresty, earthy smell, says Fox, and I hear something moving. Very good, you say. Two clues. Well, which way should we go? If you want to follow the glowing rainbow cord, turn to page 43. It's glowing? If you want to find out what is moving about and smelling earthy, turn to page 68. I want the glowing rainbow cord. <laughs> it seems unlikely that the moving earthy thing is going to be our friend, right? Hey, some of my best friends are moving earthy things. Don't be racist. Sorry. Apologize to any moving earthy things who may be listening. <laughs> That's like half of our demographic. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, cord it is. The cord is velvety smooth to the touch, although it glows with a soft, warm, shimmery rainbow of colors. It sheds little real light. The darkness presses in on all sides. Where do you think it goes? asks Fox. Let's go find out. Holding the shining cord in one hand and your dagger in the other, you advance slowly. Oh, you came ready for a knife fight. Do you see anything yet, whispers Fox. I'm not sure. I think there's some sort of pinkish light up ahead, you answer. Correct, says Owl. Cautiously, you approach the light. Soon, you make out a doorway filled with a dull, pink, glowing fog that seems almost solid. You cannot see through it. Oddly, the cord does not go through the door, but continues down the dark corridor. What do we do now? I hate the darkness. Let's go through the door, says Fox, dashing in. If you choose to follow, drop the cord and turn to page 69. I think we should follow the cord, says Owl. If this is your choice, turn to page 72. Like, what's the cord for? Is it to show you the way out? Or is it a trap? Uh... Could just be a really long extension cord. Someone running some power to their boombox. Was the 80s. Rainbow power. <laughs> I, I guess I do kind of feel like Fox's uh, judgment is not necessarily up to par. Really? You don't trust the talking fox? No, he seems Doesn't like a seem whiny baby. enough for you? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, I'm good with following the cord still. Are we committing to the cord? Is that our... Yeah. yeah, I think so. Plus, that door isn't rainbow. <laughs> You're not wrong. Although pink is a color. But it's not a rainbow. Fair enough. 
It's tempting to enter the doorway, but the cord seems to send out warm, friendly feelings that urge you on. <laughs> Hand over hand, you follow it into the darkness. Soon you hear a soft, soothing hum and see a faint light in the distance. Grasping your dagger, you hurry forward. You turn a corner and stop abruptly. Before you, sitting cross-legged on the ground, is a tiny old man wearing only rags. Long white hair, a beard, and a mustache drape over his shoulders. That is a hell of a mustache. As he sits... <laughs> He sways back and forth in time to a tuneless melody that flows from his ancient lips. On the ground in front of him is a pile of smoothly polished, many-sided stones. Each stone is the size of a walnut, and each side is a different color. A strange old man moves the stones, constantly changing their patterns. A large prism hangs above him, casting a thin, faded rainbow. Grasping your dagger firmly, you step under the arch of the rainbow. The old man looks up and focuses his faded blue eyes on you. He stares at you, fox and owl, and then exclaims, It's you! You're the one! You're here at last! The ones? What ones, you ask? Why, the ones I've been waiting for, of course. The ones who will come for the key, says the man impatiently. Key? What key, you ask? The key, hollers the old man. <laughs> this one! Opening a leather pouch round his neck on a thong, he, well, I guess I'll leave it up to you to decide what kind of thong, he pulls out a small key covered with rainbow-colored scales. You sheath your dagger and say, I'm confused. Let's talk. Maybe we can figure this out. <laughs> Sitting cross-legged on the floor across from the old man in the shimmering stones, you introduce yourself. I... am Nesbit, says the old man in a faltering voice, as though unused to speaking. I am the keeper of the key. I have been here for a long time, waiting. Waiting for what, you ask? Why, for you, of course, says the old man. The rainbow dragons told me to wait until you came. And a young human, an animal, and a bird. Others have tried to take it from me, but I have kept it safe. Rainbow dragons? What are they? And what is this the key to, you ask? I... Don't remember, says the old man, putting a hand on his head. It was such a long time ago, but it's yours now. And opening the pouch, he hands you the key. Why don't you start from the beginning, you say. When I first came here, King Chromos was dying, and the kingdom was tacked by the forces of evil. The dragons gave me the key and told me to wait for you. I was afraid of the dark, so they gave me the cord to light my way, and the stones to protect me. But I was too afraid to follow the cord, and I've forgotten how to use the stones. What do the stones do? asks Fox, sniffing at them suspiciously. They are my protection. Watch, says Nesbit. With thin bird-like fingers, he arranges the stone in a circle around the four of you. Instantly, a brilliant rainbow mist surrounds you. Anyone trying to enter the circle will disappear, says Nesbit. The stones will do other things too. But I've forgotten the patterns. Like, what kind of things can they do, you ask? Like, take you places, away from here. But I've been waiting so long that my thinker is a little rusty and I've forgotten how. Wouldn't you like to leave here? See trees and grass in the sky again, you ask? Trees, grass, sky? I know those words, says Nesbit excitedly. At least I used to. Well, it's clear we need to get out of here, you say. The only question is how. I think we should keep following the cord, says Fox. It probably leads outside. 
If this is your choice, turn to page 116. I think we should try to make the stones work, you say? If this is your choice, turn to page 92. Well, there can't be any harm in trying those stones, right? Doesn't seem like it. And I feel like if we have magical stones available to us, we should probably try and figure out how they work so that we can use them maybe later. Yeah. Okay, so I'm turning to the page with the stones, and there's actually a puzzle on there that I don't think we can do um, as a group. What kind of puzzle? Uh, Cut out or trace these stones. Pick one stone to go in the middle and arrange the rest around it so that all their touching edges match. Uh, Okay. Uh Uh-oh. It might just be optional. That's pretty cool. I mean, Um, is... Is do we have options like if you arrange the stones a certain way? Like, do we go to a certain page? You know what? I think it is literally just like a like a fun little activity for the children. I don't think it actually has anything to do with the story. Oh well, uh, all right then. So, are we doing the stones or are we doing the cord? Well, apparently, we have to go back and do the cord. You'd want to sit here for 20 minutes while Ryan describes himself cutting it out and <laughs> <laughs> moving them around. That seems less than helpful. I mean, that's how I spend my Friday nights. If Nesbit can't make the stones work for him, we probably won't be able to either, you say. Fox is probably right. Let's follow the cord and find a way out. Take me with you, please, the old man says. Helping Tim to his feet, you take hold of the rainbow-colored cord and start off down the dark corridor. Wait, says the old man, and on shaky legs he scurries back to his ruins, picks up the stones and places them in his pouch. I can't leave the stones for the monsters to find. Once again you start down the corridor, although you hear scary wailing and distant roars, no harm befalls you. Suddenly you turn a corner and the cord goes limp in your hand. There is no longer a line of light ahead of you. You reach out in the darkness and feel enormous boulders. A rockfall has broken the cord and blocked the corridor. We'll never be able to move these rocks, you say. What do we do now? I feel the presence of another passage directly to our right, says Al. Unfortunately, I also hear something approaching along the same passage. Listening carefully, you hear the scraping of claws on rock. You draw your dagger and stare into the gloom, trying to see what's coming. Slowly, a creature creeps into the dim light and stops, waving two long antennae in your direction. What is that? you ask fearfully. Armored, segmented carapace, long snout, large grinding molars, huge sharp claws, observes Owl. I suggest we withdraw quickly and attempt to use the stones to project ourselves out of this dungeon. If you choose to follow Al's advice and withdraw, turn to page 92. It doesn't look that dangerous. I could just kill it and we could continue, you say. If this is your choice, turn to page 86. I want to escape. Kill it. We can kill it. (laughs) All right, fine. Violence. I mean, violence has always solved everything. I I think that's what they teach. Obviously, you do not know about the peculiar appetite of rust monsters, says Owl. Owl, no lectures, not now. Let me clear this monster out of the way first, and then you can talk all you want. 
Oh, the impatience of youth, sighs the bird. Oh dear, oh dear, moans the old man. Come on, Jamie, I'm with you, kids, says Fox. Don't let these fuddy-duddies get you down. You move Ooh, your language. dagger, and quickly, so quickly that you are later unsure that you really saw it, and the rust monster lifts its... Wait, you move your dagger, and quickly, so quickly that you are later unsure that you really saw it, the rust monster lifts its long snout and smits, spits a fine mist at your dagger. Before your astonished eyes, your weapon rusts and crumbles into a fine powder. The rust monster snuffles joyfully and waddles up the powder. I don't think that's how waddle is used in a sense. A long <laughs> tongue you? slurps out and laps up every crumb of rust. Lifting its long snout, the monster looks at you with dim, watery eyes, as though checking you for more metal. Then, snuffling happily, the creature waddles off into the darkness. Did you see that? you exclaim. I did not. I did try to alert you to the unusual dietary habits of the creature, says Owl. <laughs> Maybe if you'd talk English instead of dictionary, we'd be able to understand you, snarls Fox. Really, Fox, your grasp of decent vocabulary is abysmal, sniffs Owl, ruffling his feathers. We can argue later, you say. What do we do now? We could go down this other passage here on my left. It seems kind of foolish to go into the dark without weapons. But going back doesn't make much sense either. Maybe we can find the way out on page 23. Perhaps we can use Nesbit stones to get out of here on page 92. Well, we can't use the stones, so... I mean, we could cheat a little and just get through the puzzle. Or we could check out what's on page 23. I mean, I'm fine with cheating. We're definitely not above that on this show. <laughs> Wait, so you can? Is it if you get to the stones, you can get through the puzzle? Uh, I think you can just kind of skip over it and then go to the next page. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. That being said, in either case, um, we are running out of pages in this book, so I feel like either one of these is probably an ending. Choose wisely, my wizard friends. If you. Okay, so if if there is a puzzle with the stones, and then you keep going, I would imagine they would reward you for taking the time to do that, right? It's mm. not like you would do that whole thing, and then the next page is like, oop, you died. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That would make sense. Yeah, I feel like the stones are... Let's just cheat. We'll cheat the stones! May I see the stones, Nesbit? You ask gently. Maybe new eyes will be able to unravel their secret. Reluctantly, Nesbit hands them to you. Holding them up to the faint light of the broken cord, you notice that each stone has a different color on each of its many sides. It appears to be some kind of code, says Owl. Perhaps if colors were matched up with each other, their meaning would become clear. Colors? What colors? says Nesbit, pushing his long face close to the stones. I can't see them. Long ago there used to be colors, but they disappeared. No, Nesbit, you say kindly. The colors are here. Living so long in the dark has probably hurt your vision. Perhaps you're right, Owl. If we match the colors that are the same... Hmm. You try many different combinations, but nothing happens. You study the stones, hoping to discover what their maker might have meant. You empty your mind and drift, becoming one with the stones. <laughs> I understand, you say quietly. 
and picking up the stones, you fit them together in a way that you know is right. Quickly, gather together, you tell everyone as the stones cast a brilliant color and begin to hum. Pressing close together, your group kneels around the shining circle of stones. A strange feeling comes over you, tingling, whispery. Looking down, you give a sharp cry. Your feet and legs are gone. Most of fox and owl are gone. Alarmed, you tug at your hand, held firmly by Nesbitt. Do not break the connection, warns the old man. We're going back. Trust the stones. They will not harm you. The nothingness creeps further up your body. You close your eyes and try to trust. And then there is a time of whirling nothingness, a rainbow arch, and a terrible sense of tearing. Where are we? you ask. Oh, don't look now, but we're back, warns Fox. Opening your eyes, you look straight into the angry eyes of Malice. Where did you come from? he asks angrily, poking you with a knobby finger. And who's this hairy old man? His name's Nesbit. I found him in your game room. He says the <laughs> Rainbow Dragons told him to wait there for me. And he gave me this. You hold up the key. It glows. It's the key, whispers Malice, his eyes wide. Uh, I see that you found our key. It was really a test. We sent you to the game room to see if you could find it for us. You passed the test. You can give it to me now. Don't trust him, kid, whispers Fox. Where's Pentagon, chirps Owl. Is this outside? I remember it being brighter, says Nesbit. Where's Pentagon, you demand, holding the key behind your back? Don't worry about him. He's finished. Just give us the key, demands Rubus. Suddenly, you notice that all three wizards hold magical amulets in their hands. You cheated, you shout. You said no magical devices were allowed. Where's Pentagon? What have you done with him? Give us the key and we'll give us your precious Pentagon, snarls Malice. Here's your old key, I don't want it, you cry, throwing the key across the room. All three wizards throw themselves upon it. Mine, cries Pothos. I saw it first. Mine, I'm oldest, screams Rubus. It's mine, I'm the best, hollers Malice. As you watch, all three wizards grasp the key at the same time. Instantly, there is a deafening noise, and you are thrown to the floor. Picking yourself up, you look for the wizards and the key. You see the sparkling key on the floor. Next to them sits a fat toad, a long, slender black snake, and an ugly, furry black spider crawling across the floor. There is a frantic hopping and slithering as both creatures chase the spider through the open doors and out of your sight. Confused and frightened, you hurry to Pentagon's side. Pentagon, wake up! I'm not dead yet, Jamie. You don't have to shout, but I have felt better. Where are they? They tricked me. Don't worry, Pentagon, they're gone. I think they were changed into a toad, a snake, and a spider. Bright kid, this one. We Turning, you pick up the key. Was a toad. <laughs> this had to do something with it. Drop it, Pentagon cries, slapping frantically at your hand. It's alright, you say. I've held it before and nothing happened to me. I got it from Nesbit here, who says that a bunch of dragons told him long ago to give it to me. Isn't that right, Nesbit? What? Yes, that's right. Cobalt, king of the rainbow dragons, gave it to me. He said that when you came, you would know how to use it. That is the key to the kingdom, Jamie, says Pentagon, with awe in his voice. Once long ago, the kingdom was united under King Chromos and the rainbow dragons. Life was more beautiful than you could ever imagine. But the keepers grew old, 
and they knew that an heir must be found, someone worthy to carry on. The test they devised was simple. You had to pick up the key and hold it, if you could. Many tried. Those who were evil were changed forever to that which they resembled in life. But if you were good, but not worthy, you received a powerful shock. I was one of those, and I still bear this scar. Before Kronos died, he decided that no one yet alive was worthy to hold the key. And then Cobalt gave the key to me, interrupts Nesbit, and told me to wait until you came for it. Those rainbow dragons who were left in the castle came out and flew away. The sky glowed with their colors, and then they were gone, and everything turned gray. Once they were gone, evil entered the land, continued Pentagon. But what does it mean, you ask, looking at the rainbow-colored key? It means that you are the ruler of the land now, explains Nesbit. Whoever holds the key to the kingdom is the king. Evil will flee before you, and goodness will return from the land. And, best of all, the dragons will come back. That's enough jabbering. Isn't there something called food, grumbles Nesbit? As your first act as ruler of the Rainbow Kingdom, how about bringing me some? <laughs> but before you can reply, a wondrous thing happens. The ugly gray walls seem to quiver and slowly begin to change colors. First beige, then cream, then yellow, orange, red, green, blue, purple. All of the joyous colors of the spectrum until they become a glorious shimmer of every happy color in the world. But not the sad colors. <laughs> As you stare in wonder, the sound of wings beating the air fill your ears. Looking upward in excitement, you see the first of the rainbow dragons coming home. The end. That was beautiful. Woo! Well done. Wow. We didn't die. That's surprising. Flipping through the book, there's like a lot of, like half of the pages are dying. So <laughs> that's actually pretty impressive. We did quite well. Yeah. Good job, everybody. The magic of the rainbow dragons was within us the whole time. I'm confused because the book is called Revenge of the Rainbow Dragons, but they didn't really get their vengeance on. Kind of just cameoed at the end. So I, well, I think I, I should get my money back. They kind of got revenge on those three wizards because they took back what was rightfully theirs. Yeah, I suppose. I feel like we we did the hard work there. We did the heavy lifting there. Yeah. So, um, I mean, them being dragons and all, wonder if they could have pitched in a little more. Well, the walls change colors when they come around. We couldn't nah, do that. That is that is hard work. That was their contribution. Fair enough. Fair enough, sir. All right, well, congratulations for surviving Rainbow Castle. You are now kings of Rainbow Land, I assume, is what it was called. <laughs> yeah. So in the third, I assume this is part two, and then part three is we fight the dragons to be the real mm. king of Rainbow Land. Yeah, yeah. That's, cool. That is definitely a premise. <laughs> those are words <laughs> you have said sentences well thank you 1980s for that wonderful adventure <laughs> yeah thank you for bestowing that upon us Ryan that was entertaining yeah, I feel like only only a, the 80s could have produced a term like rainbow dragons uh, yeah that's absolutely true I wish you could see the cover, because it's literally just a dragon spitting out a rainbow. It's pretty, pretty magnificent. <laughs> didn't we, um, back in college, Ryan, didn't we play a card game that had to do with dragons? And there was, like, the rainbow dragon. Oh, yeah. I think it is just literally called rainbow dragons. Or 
colored dragons or something. Yeah, all the dragons are different colors, and then there was the rainbow dragon that was like yeah. the most powerful card. Yeah, but I don't remember I do anything remember. about the game. <laughs> Pretty sure it just boiled down to to go fish. Where you're trying to get oh. the color dragons to match up or something. <laughs> I think you're right. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's good to see the legacy of the rainbow dragons lives on. That's true. Uh, I'm kind of surprised that Rust Monster is not like a copyrighted Dungeons and Dragons thing. Mm. Oh, this is a Dungeons and Dragons book. Oh, oh, okay. kind of, kind of. It says from the producers of Dungeons and Dragons. So, oh, okay. Um, I don't know. Some maybe some legal loophole there. Gotcha. Okay. Fucking Rust Monsters. Oh god. <laughs> oh god. I would have liked when he were reading the book if it was like Rust Monster trademark symbol. <laughs> Oh gosh! All right. Well, you listeners can go get find that book somewhere on Amazon, probably. I mean, it's uh, probably available at a garage sale near you. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, that's what you said. You can. wherever else fine paper books are sold these days. Or if Ryan's having a garage sale, maybe you can get it from his house. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> if you like the rainbows, dragons, tell us on Facebook at facebook.com/slash/gyowpodcast. Or on Twitter at Go Your Own Way Pod, or on Overmantle.com, or on iTunes. Don't tell us there; just listen to us there. <laughs> Once again, or, we're called Go or Your or Own Patreon. Way. We, or uh, on Patreon, that too. Yeah, oh my yeah. gosh! If you want to kick a buck or two our way, we would really appreciate it. You would support us in purchasing fine books like this from a garage sale near you. Oh, also, you can buy our book. Oh, right. Dances with Sasquatch from the Kindle store, which has six stories written by us that are very similar to the one we just read through. Except without misleading titles. Okay, well, we'll let you listeners think about that until next time. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) Bye! Bye. For more original podcasts, videos, and pop culture news, visit Overmental.com. Thanks for listening.